new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for listening with us, and uh, hope you're enjoying the podcast. And uh, I know we're enjoying, as always, doing them. So on today's podcast, we have with us Fox, and she is a Canadian artist and songwriter. So she brings you 90s nostalgia with a 2020 attitude. Her alternative rock pop style is reminiscent of artists like Courtney Love and Garbage, while bringing charisma and fresh fashion like Gwen Stefani. Fox is preparing her solo debut, and she unapologetically touches on sensitive subject matters surrounding mental health. Her songs deliver strong messages on what it means to deal with social anxiety, depression, acceptance, and inclusivity. Through her music and platform, Fox's goal is to become a strong advocate for mental health and the LBGTQ plus community while she takes on the world with her magnetic and meaningful music. Her new song, Black Dove, is out now. Fox, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. What a bio. I got to get uh, whoever wrote that to write mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least well, my dating know. profile. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what Sean said? He wants uh, he wants uh, it for his dating profile. <laughs> yeah, get her to write that for me. Not that, but like <laughs> something similar. Something as nice and uh, meaningful and understanding of me. You know what? A couple of my friends actually come to me to help uh, them with their dating profiles. So maybe we can talk after the show. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay, great. I'm excited. <laughs> you got a little side business going on. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> got to do well, everything when you're in music, you know? That's true, especially starting. And I saw you. About a year and a half ago, we both did actually. We went to see Biff Naked because she was on our podcast about a, about around a year and a half ago, two years ago. So she was playing in Hamilton and you were opening for her and it was a really amazing show. I really liked the one song that you did. I still remember it actually. It was called, I think, Medusa or something like that. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, That's I remember correct. that. And I, and I remember like it being impactful and you're talking about mental health and you did a little like a you know, spiel on stage about it. And I was like, yeah. And so I was really excited for when something was coming out because I remember looking afterwards and there wasn't anything out that I could listen to. So mm -hmm. now you finally have Black Dove out. It wasn't Medusa. I thought it was going to be Medusa, but it's Black Dove. <laughs> and then, Medusa's uh, really... coming out next, don't worry. Oh, okay. Excellent, excellent. So I was really excited. And so I'm happy that you actually come on the show so I can get to know you a little bit more and, and about your journey. Yeah, it's so cool. I didn't realize that you guys were at that show. Um, that was actually one of the last few shows that I got to play before a quarantine hit. So super cool. I always loved sharing the stage with this. It's a pleasure and an honor. So super cool. Um, I'm really happy to have released Black Dove. Like this, I've had this song in the making for a while. Um, so when you guys came to see that show, like I had Medusa written already and the song that's going to come out after Medusa. And Black Dove is actually the first song that I wrote with my producer. So, so happy to finally put it out there. It's got to be so exciting for you to have not only that song out, but also like your first, I'm guessing it's your first music video on like your own song. Yeah, it is. And I planned it for a while too. So I'm just so happy it's done and it, it came out so well. I was really blessed with the team I got to work with on it. So I'm just grateful. So when you, uh, when you look back at your career, I, uh, I uh, was looking at your YouTube <laughs> um, videos. And mm -hmm. it's wild to see you <laughs> see you now, and also this uh, 
<laughs> this other person yeah way back in like 2015 <laughs> you had some videos on tutorials and stuff i was like no way is that the same person but it's, it's wild to see how much you've grown do you ever look back and say like how did i even get here yeah i mean i don't know about the how did i even get here part <laughs> because to me it's very clear how i did get here but it is really funny to look back it feels like another world it feels like i was a different person back then when i when i first uh, looked at releasing stuff under fox I was considering taking down my previous stuff, but people still like it and it resonates with them. So I'm happy that people get to see my journey and where I've come from. And so could you tell us a little bit about the journey and like why you decided to, like what spoke to you about, you know, being an artist and getting into music and even playing the guitar? Because I tried playing the guitar because like, you know, I was into like Bush and, and everything back in the day. Uh-huh. And I just couldn't do it. It's like I tried it a couple of times. I'm like, oh, my fingers hurt. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I'm gonna stick it's with sports. really yeah. hard. It's really hard. I was blessed to learn as a kid, and I almost forget, you know, the pains of having to learn it in the first year because that's that really is the hardest part. I actually teach guitar now a little, and the kids always struggle with the hand. Once you get over that hill, though, you're good to go. But I, I actually got my first guitar when I was ten. So I had been begging my parents for an instrument, to, for an electric guitar, actually, from probably about the age of six. Um, I remember uh, being in my parents' car, going on road trips with my family, and my dad would be blaring Led Zeppelin and ACDC and uh, Steve Ray Vaughan, Jim Hendrix. And then when my mom got a hold of the CD player, she would put on um, No Doubt and uh, Janis Joplin and ABBA. So I really got like a, a good exposure to these worlds of like pop at the time and rock at the time. And I would find myself like getting lost in the songs in the backseat and playing air guitar along to like Angus Young solos and stuff. And I was begging them to have my own. And my mom was like, well, you know, last week you wanted to be an astronaut. So if you stick with this until you're 10, then I'll get you a guitar. And I did. And sure enough, on my 10th birthday, I got my first guitar. And uh, I've been playing ever since. It's the only thing that really makes me happy. So, you know, people tell you to do what you love. And that's what I'm doing. It's amazing when you can find what you love. I find a lot of people like are still searching at all ages to try and figure out what that is. And it's nice how your mom was able to help you buy you that guitar to help you really fulfill some of your desires. And then you could take it from there. And sometimes we just need that like little bit of support as we find our way through it. So could you talk about like sort of how I guess music or just playing music helps with coping in life or just finding your finding happiness? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, music was a form of escapism, probably I want to say. I not that I realized that that's what it was at the time, but I would just get lost in these imaginary worlds. And like, I was a huge fan of like movies and books and fiction, anything, fantasy, anything. So I would search for these fictional worlds to get lost in. And whenever I heard a song that really resonated with me, I just felt like that whole world came alive in my head and I would seek them out. And like the more I felt while listening to a song, the further into it I could get and the more of that world I could create. And uh, that helped me deal with my everyday life. And when things got a little too hard at home or at school and you know, I'd come home and put on my favorite record and was transported into this alternate universe where I didn't know any of these people and all none of my problems affected me the same way. And then I, I fell in love with it so much, I wanted to make my own and do it myself. And, and now I just seek to 
try and provide that for other people and help them through their issues. Wow, that's uh, that's so cool to hear out loud. Um, you know, I had a similar thing with music growing up where it was really important for me to kind of uh, listen to music. It was my outlet. It was definitely uh, a place where I could escape and go to. I remember, uh, mm-hmm. you know, listening to, I had a CD player, like a portable CD player. <laughs> we don't use those anymore, but... You know, I used to make my own mixtapes and CDs and then just have them and go to sleep. I would Every night I would go to sleep to my CD player. And it would, uh, a lot of it was, especially if you had a tough day or, you know, there's some arguments at home or whatever, like it's a great place to go into and, and envision what life would be like in a better place and in, in, in mm-hmm. something, something more, uh, or even just, you know, fantasize about the future and be like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to run away from home and this is my soundtrack it would i guess each style each mood like sometimes you're in like a rock mood or sometimes you're in like a more softer kind of like uh r&b type mood but whatever the mood is you can tailor it in in your head that vision that fantasy that wants to wants to come out but yeah that was uh mm-hmm. that was definitely for me as well that's really cool yeah it's just crazy the world that they can create and i mean you have so much like at your fingertips these days of streaming platforms and stuff. I mean, like you can just go find any artist and music that just fits your style and your mood. And I mean, on a whole other level, I find that the lyrics are are another level of help that I get, you know, with dealing with my problems and seeing them in different perspectives that I might not have considered. When, when you listen to a song that really resonates with you and might resonate with you because you've been through that thing that that person is singing about. But you might yeah. have not considered it from that perspective or felt it that way before, you know, and it kind of helps you get through it. It's like therapy in a way. Oh yeah. 100%. And I think like, you know, that's, I love that you've, your understanding of that, you're aware of that moving forward into the lyrics and music that you make for potentially helping people for definitely helping people who listen to it and they can hear that. And there's certain pivotal times in your life that, that music becomes the soundtrack to your life during these difficult moments, during these whatever, um, you know, changing schools or maybe like heartbreaks, what, whatever goes on in your life, someone's death, loss. And if you, if that, especially if that music is special during that time or, or reminds you of that person, then, you know, you can mm-hmm. come back to it later on in life and still get the same, that's a crazy thing, still get the same kind of feelings pop up. Like I'll listen to a song cool. that, that like maybe like a, an ex-girlfriend liked and we both liked it and I'll listen to it like 10 years later and still get like weird about it. Like, oh my God, <laughs> this is taking me to a weird place. But uh, that's that's just the power of music, right? Yep. Yep. It's crazy how it does that. It like stores in a different part of your brain or something. It's like how like Alzheimer's patients will be able to sit at the piano and play that whole, you know, song that they knew front to back when they were 10. Mm. crazy yeah it's also like i look at my life and what i listened to has changed so drastically as i started using different coping mechanisms because i in the beginning mm-hmm. like i've talked about a lot on the podcast but like i grew up in an environment that was pretty chaotic you know my dad was uh was a drinker and we just didn't really have or taught coping skills and so 
I used to go into like the hard rock, even like silver chair was a big one. It's a Bush, Nirvana, like stuff like that. And I was really nice. using that as a way to coping. And now like when I go back to that music, I'm like, whoa, that's actually, you know, like that's loud. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's really mm-hmm. loud, you know? And it's just interesting because mm-hmm. now I'm more about like the music I'm listening to a lot of like curtain and some more calming, like softer music. I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated on how that can change as you change. Oh man, I totally find the same thing. It's definitely fascinating. Um, I look back to my childhood and when I was like a rebellious, you know, depressed teenager, and I listened to like all this emo music, and and then like I went through a, a hard phase when I, uh, with my mental health, kind of after college when I first moved to Toronto, and I was trying to figure my stuff out and I was listening to metal and like Deftones I'd like fall asleep listening to Deftones record around the fur like who falls asleep listening to that like but it was just my mental state and then like now if I go back and put on something like like a Deftones song or a brand new I used to listen to a lot too um I, I I can't listen to brand new anymore like it makes me too sad to listen to those songs um, sometimes I miss listening to that type of music um, and I like miss the feeling and you know just like how raw and real it is but sometimes it puts me in a bad headspace and I can't go there anymore so I have also found myself yeah. enough listening to softer stuff over the last <laughs> few years yeah that's uh that's a great point that both you bring up I think uh, like I have a sad playlist that I go to if I if I'm sad then I then I know what songs are there are aren't are gonna are gonna you know work with that feeling <laughs> but yeah. um yeah my music is definitely different now uh I would say I'm, I, I'm, uh, yeah go ahead can I ask you what sign you are like what your astrological sign yeah I'm, I'm a Gemini interesting okay I, I didn't expect a Gemini to have a sad song playlist. <laughs> I'm curious, Sean, have you titled that album anything or is it just called Sad Songs? Uh, it's called Sad Playlist Vibes or something. <laughs> um, yeah, something like that. It's cool. But uh, oh, yeah, it's there. And, uh, you know, it's it's. I can pull through it when I want to, when I want to get into that space, when I'm already feeling like that. And I'm like, you know, sometimes I don't want to listen to happy go lucky song. I also love, but normally like what I've been listening to a lot is reggaeton and it's like, it's like Latin music. It's just really upbeat and, you know, really happy for the most part. Yeah, um, Right. Really fun. Kind of light. I don't have to really know the lyrics. I don't even know Spanish, but it, I, I kind of like that about it where I'm just focusing in on the beat and the music, but like definitely, mm-hmm. uh, it's a vibe, right? It's beautiful. But I have something in the corner where like, if I need to go to that sad playlist, I go there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I laugh at it, but I also, I have a grief playlist. I have a, yeah, so I have a grief playlist. And when I'm, when I want to sort of try to bring out those emotions or, or think about my dad a little bit, I'll go to some of those songs. It's just, it's amazing how music can help us facilitate releasing emotions. And that's what I sort of see. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes it can trap us in a certain emotional state, but it's like when you start getting that variety, you can now start utilizing it in a way that can actually be very beneficial as you're seeking certain types of emotions because mm-hmm. it can be very hard, especially like for, for a male to, to cry. And those songs really help. And that's why like yeah. the soundtracks in movies, like without the soundtracks, I don't know if I would ever cry in a movie, but like they just get you. Mm. <laughs> Interesting a- point. Interesting point. And at Christmas time, 
<laughs> since we're we're in the season do you have any like christmas time like favorites in the music is there is there anything that comes to mind because like those songs were really happy like they really <laughs> you know it makes me just want to like get a friend and just like start dancing or something you know like it's just it's very upbeat it's really funny you ask that because to be honest i'm not a fan of christmas music at all it drives me <laughs> nuts <laughs> well then this is a great time for you <laughs> So well, it's great gone. now because you don't have to be bombarded with it because I guess we're not going to stores and malls and stuff too much. Oh, my gosh. That's so true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And I don't listen to written normal, normal radio. So that's for me, to be honest, um, I do like Christmas songs, but I think they really play it out, especially that Mariah Carey song, which I love uh, and I only think about in Christmas, but they play play the hell out of that song. And it's so annoying <laughs> in all its versions. Especially on the radio. Oh my gosh, there's so many annoying ones. Don't even get started. <laughs> Mariah is the least of my concerns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I want to know is why we don't have like like Halloween music really that we that we gravitate to the same way that that That's we so do. True. There's only like two Halloween songs that they play: Monster Mash and mm. I don't know. I don't even know the other one. Well, it's usually just sounds like ghost. ghost. Thriller, you got it. I, like I remember buying a, like a Halloween CD, and it's just like scary sounds, like right, <laughs> like that. soundtrack that's stuff. Music. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point, though. You could actually make, yeah. I wonder. We could. We should. We should do that. We should bring up. You know, <laughs> promote Halloween more. Fox's next album be a Halloween special. A Halloween soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I like that. Hey, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It is interesting since we're talking about uh, Christmas music. You're right. Like I, Sean, like in the same thing. Like I never played it in my car, but I would enjoy it. Like I'd get enough of it when I go to the stores. So that's why I never really played it. But like now, I'm like, am I going to have to play it myself? Like it's it's such a weird thing to even think about <laughs> Will now. Will you and, like, choose to play it yourself? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> will I have my own Christmas album this year in 2020? <laughs> I have I I actually do have old Christmas records like I, I went to the thrift store and uh, I got because they just they're just giving those things out. But yeah, you can go to the thrift store. Anybody who's missing that and get some LPs of like Bing Crosby or some, you know, really old, old, you know, choir Christmas choirs. But I actually like that. I like it. I like it when, it's, when I'm cooking or something, just put on some like old, old music. It does bring you back um yeah you know, it's kind of nice it puts you in a nice like cozy ambiance. <laughs> i like how you're trying to make me feel better <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like no there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> <laughs> no i actually don't mind the older stuff or like you know a reimagined tasteful version mm. um i also I have mind. a bony m uh christmas album Okay, I can knows. get behind some Boney M too. My okay, mom great. play them a lot. Actually, yeah. that it's probably that exact same record. Yeah, he's awesome. I want to actually move to just talking about mental health a bit. You touched on you went through some stuff uh, when you're mm -hmm. growing up and, and coming to Toronto, and you're a big advocate for talking about it. So, what are some mm -hmm. like now that we're in the Christmas season and everything's closed, and Christmas actually has changed a lot than what we would ex have expected even in the beginning of all this. And I don't think anyone's mm -hmm. realized that how much that can play a toll for those people who actually love Christmas music or love the shopping or love the, the whole and like the whole season itself and what that's going to do to people's mental health. So can you speak on maybe like some of the challenges this Christmas that you maybe foresee people going through? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm experiencing some of them firsthand myself, given that my family lives on the other side of the country right now. Um, I did grow up in Montreal, but my family moved to, to out to BC in the last few years. So this is going to be the first Christmas that I can't see them, um, that I can't travel to go visit them. So I have two younger brothers and my mom and dad are out there as well. So I, I mean, it's going to be hard. We're not going to be able to see our loved ones and get together the same way that we have been able to in the previous years. But I think that that is just going to force us to focus on what's actually important about Christmas. And to me, as someone who um, isn't religious, it's just important to bring, you know, your loved ones together and share time uh, with those people that you love. So I think that it's going to be a lonely one for a lot of people. But if we can still connect in ways like, you know, we can call people and FaceTime them and, and be maybe surrounded by your pod, like your immediate people that you have, then maybe we can still make it something good. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. I think I get like my roommate together and like the two friends that I've seen occasionally and maybe have like a mini gift exchange or something. And I don't know, reminisce. It's going to be a hard one, that's for sure. Yeah, and you you bring up a good point though that I think sometimes like in a normal-ish setting, Christmas can get a little bit overwhelming and I guess miss the point sometimes. Like if you're Mm -hmm. busy, you know, I got to get gifts for this person. I got to have gifts for this other person and I want to like, you know, um, I got to go to this person's event, this person's dinner. And from I just speaking for myself, like sometimes just to be able to sit down and actually like remember and, and be in each other's company is kind of missed in a lot of holiday type of uh, scenes. And, and everybody's got a busy life, you know, got to get up and do this and get up and do that. But like, obviously, COVID has brought on some uh, had, had slow has slowed the world down. So I think like we have and we're a lot more isolated. So we have a lot more time to think about those relationships that are more meaningful to us and say like, okay, um, you know, how do I just connect with the people that mean that much for me? And I think like, you know, you could still do that in a lot of ways, obviously not in face to face some in some situations, which makes it hard. But like you said, you know, Skype or, you know, phone calls or, or Zoom calls. Um, that's for mm-hmm. me and my, and my friends, my close friends, like, having that hour chat is, is just great because it's, it's, it's more meaningful than it might've been even, you know, before COVID. Exactly. And I think that those are things that we might've taken for granted before. So, you know, it's going to be a, a lot harder in a lot of ways, but I think that the focus is going to shift in a positive way at the same time. Awesome. What do you do personally for self-care like, and, and to, to help yourself during this time Maybe things that get you back into the right headspace. My music has always been a main one for me. It being something I love and connect with so much, it has become one of my primary coping mechanisms. So if I'm having like a really terrible day, if I can come home and I I actually sit on my bathroom floor with my guitar and I just sing and play stuff, write about my feelings, that helps a lot. That's probably my main coping mechanism. I'm trying to trying to stick with the healthy ones, you know. Yeah, no, that's awesome, and and that's um, I'm glad that you you that hasn't faded your interest in doing that. Maybe sometimes there's some disruptions that can 
cause you to like get away from what you love to do. So that's fantastic. And also the bathroom, I imagine, has great acoustics. So that would definitely Amazing be a great uh, sing and play. <laughs> Josh, Josh is laughing. Why are you laughing? <laughs> My brain automatically goes to that. It's like, yeah, that'd be a great place to play for sure. It is. I practice in the bathroom all the time. I think I started doing that when I was like 12 or 13. I haven't stopped since. When I hear that story, I'm like, my back would not be able to last that <laughs> for one song. <laughs> my back. Yeah, you might have to sit on the you toilet. you got to change positions. You know, yeah. you sit on the toilet, you sit in the bathtub for a bit, on there the edge go. of the bathtub, on the floor. You bring in pillows or no? It's just like straight... You got options. Sometimes. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm having a long songwriting session, I'll bring in a pillow or a blanket or something. A couple, oh. couple candles, pillow. I like it. <laughs> Run the bath, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny and so when we look at uh, the new song that came out black dove what really inspired you to write that because it has a lot of really positive messages yeah thanks so that actually was the first song that i ever wrote with my um producer tom he actually scouted me um at an open mic in toronto that i had been attending on like a weekly basis almost i want to say and he came up to me and he was like you, I've, I've seen you perform for like the last three weeks. It's like, you got something. I don't know, he told me his whole spiel about he's a producer and he wants to write together sometime. And I actually forgot about it. And then like a couple months later, I had a little lull in what I was doing with my music. And I was like, he popped back into my head and I was like, ah, oh, I'm just going to like message this guy and see what's up. And like, sure enough, he answered me right away and was like, come by, you know, we can just chat and see if we vibe. And so I went over and like we have the same taste in music and he played me some of his tracks and they were wicked tracks. And we're like, you know what, we're vibing so well, let's just try and write something. And so when I write with people, I, I like to really draw from like my personal experiences. It's it's sometimes difficult to songwrite for that reason, because you'll go in and you'll just like pour your guts out to this person that you barely know. But sometimes magic can come from it too. So uh, that's what happened in this case. We both really bonded over being uh, the black sheep in our family and our respective lives and just feeling like the outsider and the outcast. And so we wrote like an instrumental and came up with some melody ideas and stuff. And then I went home and when he sent me uh, the demo that we had made that day, he titled it Black Dove instead of Black Sheep. Mm. And I was like, okay, interesting. He said that like black sheep just sounded too like basic and generic. And I was like, hey, I kind of like the ring of this black dove, black dove. And I kind of like the idea of like it being a reversed, like a symbol of freedom, but kind of in a rebellious way. And so then I started doing some more research about black doves and I stumbled upon this ancient myth about these high priestesses in Egypt and they were captured and taken captive. And in order to escape, they turned into black doves. And they spread their knowledge and awareness throughout the land and tried to like help get these people to a higher level of uh, existence and spirituality. I just thought that was so cool. So we ran with it and it sort of became this anthem of, you know, using your hardships to fuel you and um, adversity as a form of fuel for greatness. Well, that's great. And have you heard any feedback from other people on how that song has impacted them? Not really yet, to be honest. It's only been over a couple of weeks. I have like, people have been loving it. The response has been great. Don't get me wrong. I haven't had any like personal stories come out yet, but I hope that my my song can impact people that way. Yeah, I believe it will. I know like I was reflecting 
on the music when I first heard it. And that's why I, was, I wanted to reach out. It's just like rising above all the challenges that we face. And this is, you know, when I think about even the holiday season, like where it is now and even the pandemic and, and this year for a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's just like what it takes to rise above the challenges that people put on us, right? A lot of times it's family. <laughs> mm-hmm. You really uh, put us in these boxes, but to find the the freedom, like for me, like I look at it, it's like to find your own direction, the freedom to follow your own passions. Um, yeah. And to, for me, it was, it was trying to, I look back at my life, is to really risk a lot of things. And a lot of people didn't even know why I was doing what I was doing, even with the, the PhD and stuff, right? Like the topic and everything. Um, but to mm-hmm. sort of, feel a calling or to feel a a purpose in something greater than you and you reach out for it despite anyone else's comments or judgments on it and uh it's amazing what happens when you can get through almost like those clouds or or that that darkness and then you see the sky and you just really mm-hmm. realize i made the right decision i always like wonder in the back of my head is this the right decision now you go with it but if everyone's telling you it's wrong like there's a good possibility it might be a bad choice but mm, uh but they tend to always work out for the best and what i envisioned it could and so i've learned along the way it's it's been really trying to trust your own instincts on what fits best for you and not mm-hmm. not what people sort of tell you fit, should fit best for you. I can see even with like, I've lost friends, even with the, the dream stuff. Like since we're talking about like, this is Grief Dreams podcast, even just the, like my, we're in the first stages of my life. I, I started to value dreams and around the end of high school, I started telling my friends and a lot of them thought I was crazy. And mm-hmm. those friends aren't my friends anymore. Like it's absolutely crazy on like, when you have a, a when you feel like something's meaningful to you and someone else doesn't, that's your friend, they may not actually be your friend moving forward just because that vibe isn't there anymore. So it's just like taking those risks and allowing change to occur was a big part of like why I'm here today. And I love who I am here more than I was, you know, way back then. So like, yeah, so I was really reflecting on that and being the black dove in that sense and being able to fly and get a sense of freedom in doing it your own way. It's not hundred percent. So yeah, that's so, so look cool at that. to hear you say that. That's really awesome that you got that from the song. I love that. I have so many thoughts about what you just said too. It's funny. Like I really resonate with the thing that you said about how sometimes, you know, your friends don't understand where you're going. If you're trying to move forward, they might, it might seem to you like they're trying to hold you back somehow. Um, but, and here they are telling you that you shouldn't be doing this thing that, that you feel like is your authentic self and what you should be doing. They're going against you. I think that people have a hard time when they, they see you start to actually listen to your gut the way that you were speaking of um, and trust your instincts and like live your truth. And I think when people, when people kind of feel that uncomfortability with that, that just is a reflection of, of where they are in their own lives. And I think that they're at a point where they, they want to live their truth probably and they want to listen to their gut but because of their circumstances or whatnot you know they haven't been able to and so they kind of feel a resentment um towards you being able to do that and seeing you do that so hopefully you haven't taken that to heart and personally when your friends have done that to you i know it's really hard i've experienced that myself as well and trusting your gut and going with your instincts is probably one of the hardest things that you could ever do it's really not the easy path of being a black dove. Uh, no, no, yeah. 
it takes a lot of courage and like like we've all been saying it's it's difficult because i don't know if people see you as as they see you through their eyes so that might be like a delay so they're kind of you know imagining and even like family i'm thinking about families who have children who are trying to come out or scared to come out uh Mm -hmm. and be who they who they want to be and be who they are and those often that's such a scary situation and you know my heart goes out to those kids who have to who go through that because they don't want to they just want love they don't want to hurt their parents yeah have the and it's a anger. risk for them it's a big risk so living right? their truth is a risk and yeah it's, it makes me sad but yeah tremendously yeah and i think like look in in i think things are are moving forward and and it's people like you and 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 your music would would definitely help uh especially with with this beautiful song black dove would definitely help people kind of have that and process that and, and feel the courage to say like, you know, you be you. Um, Cause that will be accepted ultimately. I hope so. Thank you so much for saying that. That's, that's my dream. That's my goal. That's why I'm doing what I do. So thanks. I'm curious along your way, have you ever had anyone that has died? So it could be human or, or pet. Yes. I have experienced many deaths actually. The first like death that really Oh, man. So I was going to say one, but then I was like, oh, wait, there was one before that. Uh, when I was a kid, one of my neighbors died, um, which is a really strange experience. That's probably my introduction to death, like seeing a bunch of fire trucks on the street and walking by and wondering what happened. And it was like my friend's sister, my friend's little sister had passed away. That was my first experience with death. And then my grandmother passed away when I was 16. Uh, we were very, very close. She just lived down the street and raised me, essentially. She was battling cancer for years, went into remission, and then just, like, overnight gone. That was a very shocking passing. Then after that, I lost one of my childhood friends last year, actually. He was running a marathon, and he had a stroke, I believe. And they didn't, the first responders didn't get to him in time. So they brought him to the hospital, but unfortunately, he was already brain dead by the time they got there, and he passed away shortly after. And then about a month later, my old drummer committed suicide. So, yeah, sorry to dump it all on you like that. It's almost weird. I know it feels weird to talk about so casually, but I'm at a point where, like, I don't really know how else to talk about it besides just being like, here you go, this is this is what happened. It's it's been a lot, not going to lie, but I like being open because I don't know how else to be. So there it is. A lot of loss. I can only imagine how that must have been for you at certain points in your life when you're trying to still figure yourself out, especially, you know, I like look at the one with your grandmother. If you're 16, I don't think you've moved to Toronto yet because you said you're, you came to Toronto for college. And so like what yeah, that... Yeah, when I was 18, yeah. Okay, yeah. So like what that point in your your, your life would have been like without her for that person who supported you for so long? What what was that point in my life like? Yeah. Oh, man. It was hard. It was a really sudden loss. I hadn't experienced something so sudden before. There were actually, like, a lot of strange circumstances surrounding that death, things that I almost still think back to, and, and one story in particular, in fact, that I think 
will be very fitting for this podcast. So I was in California at the time. I had gone on a trip with my dad for like he was going on a work conference and he brought me along just to kind of check out the area for fun, which is great. But uh, she passed away on like the second day of the conference. So I got a call from my mom saying that she had been in the hospital for a couple nights before, but they didn't let my dad and I know because we were so far away and obviously couldn't fly back to Montreal for it. So it was just like, boom, here's a call, you know, your grandmother's passed overnight. Like I remember just like seeing her a week prior to that. Um, it was shocking. It was jarring. I didn't know what to do with myself. I had to, I had to put myself back together and also experience all, all my loved ones around me, you know, going through their grief and a combination of trying to deal with my own and trying to help them with theirs. It was a really difficult time in my life. But uh, yeah, the story that I wanted to share with you was something that I still think about today. And I'm sure that you guys have encountered similar, similar stories along the way. But it's, it's about the last time that I ever saw my grandma. So she had come over to my house. She was over at the place and she was nearby. Um, she was just passing by for something, you know, dropping in. And on her way out, um, as she said bye, I went to go, like, hug her and say bye. And for some reason, I was getting, like, an insane urge from inside myself to tell her that I loved her. And it felt so like crazy and surreal that I almost felt weird telling her that I loved her out loud even though that it was something that I did all the time and something that I knew she knew it was like this overwhelming wave of energy that came over me and I didn't even know what to do with it it paralyzed me so I just kind of stood there and waved by and to this day I remember so vividly her walking out you know down the step and down the driveway getting into her car and the whole way watching her and my brain was like screaming at me to go just run after her go run tell her you love her give her a hug and and the further she went the more I thought that I would look ridiculous running out the door and giving her a hug when I saw her every day but I can't even explain to you the feeling and I I didn't do it I I let it paralyze me because I thought I was being ridiculous but that turned out to be the last time I ever saw her crazy that's crazy how that happens, that feeling. I think I actually had a similar experience, not as strong as your experience, but I remember about a week or two before my grandmother died, I went to go visit her and she I even remember like what she was wearing. She's wearing this like onesie. It was like this red, like this red <laughs> Christmassy onesie uh, or something like that. But yeah, that meant that meant a lot to go and sit with her and I actually taking my dog with me and and she loves my dog and just um giving her a hug and but I had this odd feeling like okay good like there was a relief that I saw her for some reason um even Mm -hmm. though I was even though Christmas was coming up and I probably would have seen her within a week or two but sure enough she ended up dying a few days after Christmas um and wow yeah, I just, um, I'm really glad now I look back that I did get to see her that one last time more intimately and when she was conscious because she wasn't conscious when she essentially fell, hit her head and, and just was at that point just in a coma. Yeah, I get, I kind of understand that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how vividly you remember the last encounter then too. Oh yeah. Surreal. So interesting too, but like the, what you wanted to say, because I was like, like my big dream that changed my grief was basically telling my dad that I loved him. It was something like I never mm. 
I never did. You know, you, you say it to your girlfriends or, or whatnot, but like to my, especially my dad, I never ever said it to him. Maybe last time I said it was, you know, I was a kid, maybe four or five or something, right? It's just something that he never said to me and I never said to him. But like, I, I would say I would love him in like inside, but never would actually vocalize that. And in that dream I had that changed my my grief, it was me saying that. And so it's interesting how you're, you had this moment before the loss where this love wanted to come out and mm-hmm. how we oftentimes, and that's what I've realized even myself, like I often find myself holding back my love to people or just saying kind words or just loving words to people because I think I look foolish, right? Or like, <laughs> or mm-hmm. like, you know, but there's something in us that I think it's, you know, it's great for our mental health and it's probably great for theirs to even hear totally. loving kind words that it's not part of their culture. You know, usually we talk about other things, but just not that. It's like that's safe for like romantic relationships in a large part, but not like friends and family as much as when we get older. So I kind of think that like when I see, hear that story, I'm like, oh, isn't that remarkable how like there was that, the call like almost as this, this, this wave that wanted you to just vocalize it and mm-hmm. I always sort of then look at it I'm like why like what was so what would be so beneficial yeah, that? And yeah. It, it feels so irrational in the moment too like I to me it was something that we said all the time so I was like why is this feeling coming over me or after the fact even looking reflecting back being like why is this such a big regret that I have when I know that she knew that I loved her you know but I don't know, like it's one of those things that you just can't explain really. Well, it's a grief journey too, like looking back and and I think just as much as like I've learned with my just you know, saying it to my mom more now than than ever before, is that like people forget, you know, like mm-hmm. we're busy in our minds telling ourselves how bad we are as people. <laughs> and we need people to correct our thinking by saying, Oh no, I'm wrong. There's someone that loves me. There's you know, I'm doing something right. I think, you know, For sure. I see that with my mom when I tell her and she starts crying. And I'm like, mom, like, don't you know I love you? Yeah, but it's just nice to hear. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you realize that, you know, we need it. Like, we're not rocks, yeah. we're humans. And we need to hear well, that exactly. support. Yeah. It's vulnerability, right? That's what people are afraid of. And honestly, this really ties back into why I care so much about mental health and being an advocate for mental health because I think that if we weren't so afraid of being vulnerable and expressing our emotions and feeling them for real then like the world would be a a way better place you know there'd be less war there'd be less conflict uh, you name it so like let's get therapists and mental health education into schools for children ASAP because our society's falling apart because we can't feel anymore yeah, there'd be a lot less, um, you know, deathbed type of situations where people feel regret over not saying things their whole lives or people holding things in. And I think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and you see that and I, me and Joshua, are, you know, we come from backgrounds that maybe didn't vocalize it. Um, and our parents kind of kept those things in. But the older my parents get, I know that they are learning to express that better. And I think that's um, that's something that's great to see. But I think hopefully they understand that that's really important in children uh, to, to be able mm-hmm. to vocalize that as well and to, to let someone know and not hold your emotions in so much. It, it's easy, easy to vocalize the negative ones. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> you also got to bounce that out with, uh, you know, caring words, you know, because yeah. that's the mind. The mind is is a beautiful thing but it's also mm-hmm. a very 
adaptable thing. So if it's only hearing uh, negative things and not hearing positive things, then there's going to be definitely imbalance there. Yeah, I think it's important to, to be able to recognize that that you can take a step back from your emotions and observe them and your emotions and feelings don't define you. That was a really big one for me. Like, hey, I might be having this intense outburst of anger and feeling all of this right now, but like that doesn't mean that I'm an angry person. I'm just experiencing this emotion right now and it can pass. That's and that's a very ma- mature way of looking at it. That's a very um, you know, you've you've done some work obviously and you you've seen that in your life and that's fantastic. I think that's 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 another thing that if if we could all get better at that, you know, not getting mad in traffic or you know, yelling at the person who's the cashier <laughs> or whatnot, or even just to people around you. Sometimes we get caught up and you know, um, people you live with. You know, sometimes Josh gets I get mad at him about some things, but <laughs> but I just <laughs> I literally no, I take a step back and I think I think about it. I'm like, oh. Oh yeah. Okay. And then it fades. Yeah. And, and I think that, it's, it's a skill. That, that, right. And it's just something that like, I understand that before I want to put that venom on another person is, is to, Hey, let's, let's see what this is about because often it's about something else. It's about mm-hmm. me, being, me being tired or, or some other thing, interaction that have, that's happened throughout the day. I think it's not tired. It's hungry. Hungry is another one. So I get cranky. I get cranky when I when I haven't slept or when I'm hungry. So if I if it I, all if comes I, down to communication, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's so true, and you see that you know just like with the research in these dreams after loss, that a lot of the dreams are you know people saying they they love the person or the the person who has died saying they love them, the dreamer, or there's just mm-hmm. this feeling of love, and it's just amazing how how much we long for that, but yet we have a hard time getting there just in waking life. And so it's like, you know, over the holiday season, I think that's probably the most important thing over, you know, gifts are great and gifts can, I think, help people feel love in, in different ways, but it's more about mm-hmm. if you can say it, you know, like, and I challenge people to be able to say it more often to the people that they don't normally do it to, because it's a tough time and hearing it and, and knowing that people care for you is, is such a beautiful feeling. And the other thing, too, is if someone tells you something like that, sit with that and sit what it feels like and to not rush the I love you back or, or whatnot. Just allow it to sink in and, and what that means, because it said like mm-hmm. to understand yourself is that, you know, being vulnerable is one thing, but also allowing compliments to hit you and let sink in is another skill that I've learned along the way. It is. It's a difficult one. I'm, I'm still a work in progress on that one myself. But on a similar note, I mean, there are also other ways to give gifts and show your affection and love to people that they might accept and appreciate that might not seem that that, that might not be that big of a deal to you. Like you don't have to go out and spend like 50 bucks on a gift or even 20 bucks or even 10 bucks on a gift. You know, if you if you hand write them a little note or a card telling them how you feel and how thankful you are for their time and friendship like that can go that can go such a long way. You know, maybe they might prefer that to getting like a cute little scarf. Maybe it'll sit on their mantle and they'll treasure that more. Like, so true. you got to think outside the box for this one, I think. Right. Crafts. I like that. Build some stuff. Hell yeah. Like we used to do. Yeah. Make a macaroni card. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> Get out that construction paper. Hey, Christmas will never be the same. <laughs> <Once> you... <laughs> so I'm curious, have you ever had a dream of someone who has died? 
I have. My grandma, I think, is the one that I've dreamt the most about since her death. I think I've had one dream with my friend in it, the one who died in running the marathon. But usually it's just been like really regular interactions with them. And a lot of the times I'll, I'll notice in the dream, like I figure it out halfway through that I'm having a dream about my grandma, let's say, and we're just like having a nice experience. Like we're cooking in our kitchen. And then halfway through, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a dream. And I know that you're like dead in real life. And I, I feel the sense of urgency of like, I don't want this to end and I miss you and I want this to keep going and I want to spend time with you. But a lot of the times it's just like us doing stuff that I miss that we used to do together. I have dreams of us cooking together a lot because I really liked her baking um, and a lot of the recipes that she used to make I miss. But I, I almost always have this moment during dream, like maybe halfway through where we'll be like making a recipe together and everything seems nice and normal. And then I have this realization that I'm in a dream that I'm dreaming about my grandma, that she's gone in real life. And I feel this like huge sense of urgency of wanting to cling to that feeling and make the dream last. And, I, and then I want to like tell her that I love her. That feeling always comes up too, for sure. But yeah, I always find it so interesting that I, that I notice. Do you guys get that a lot? Or do you experience, have you talked to people who have gotten that um, like awakening halfway through as well? Yeah, you almost become a little lucid within the, the dream that you know that, oh, this mm-hmm. is going to end. Yeah, there's some people like that. I haven't had too many of those. I can't remember one of them that I had that for. And like my first one with my father, I knew he was dead and I was able to say goodbye and I loved him. But there wasn't that kind of urgency like you're talking about. But you also mm-hmm. you look at your one of the last moments you had with her. There was that sort of that feeling of needing to say something. And you can see how like it may be coming through in, in the dreams in a in a little bit way. Right. What I but what I like is that you guys were you guys were cooking. Like how cool is that? Like it's just like a moment in time <laughs> um, where she's baking again. Do you have her recipes at all or no? Yeah, I actually have a few of them. I know my my grandpa still has her recipe box and sometimes I'll think of something of hers that I want to make and email him and he'll go fishing for it and send me a picture. Her recipes have been quite popular with my family over the years. So I think we've all uh, have her recipes scattered throughout us. That's a special thing, a special act, especially, you know, cooking. And I'm sure if your grandma loved it more than, you know, even eating her own food, she probably loved just cooking for other people mm-hmm. to be able to do that together. And to have a recipe cards and recipes is pretty amazing, too. It's like it's like her own little playlist, like grandma's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what was her famous what was the favorite thing you love oh man okay i'm gonna give you three is that okay yes yes please okay so her pumpkin pie killer i made her pumpkin pie actually a couple of years after her passing for my family at thanksgiving and i made a couple of them cry because apparently i did such a good job then i had her orange muffins they just had like rind- orange rinds and raisins in them. They were so mm. moist and delicious. Ah, oh, so good. And then lastly, I would say her lasagna. Oh, Chef man. kiss. That's so good. I love all those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pumpkin pie has been one of my favorites for a long time. But yeah, and I can imagine, like I honestly, like I don't, I get the store-bought ones, but I can see how if if it was made, obviously, with grandma, she'd probably, like, make sure that it had what it needed in there, probably real butter. Man, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a, like a famous story in our in our family about the pumpkin pie um, that we'd always repeat too. So it had like an extra significance because one year she forgot to put the sugar in. And I remember everyone took like a bite and they were all freaked out and she couldn't believe that she had forgotten the sugar because she's so meticulous about these things usually. And of course, we never let her forget that any um, year after that. So we even brought it up the night that I I made them after her passing. It's kind of nice to share that memory. And you're right. Like, John, when you're talking about the uh, this cooking and how she was doing it out of love. And I look back, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I took for granted all the times my grandma and even, I guess, my parents and, and family members or even people in general would cook and I'd just like eat it. Like, without, <laughs> you know, like just without realizing, no, this is actually, they're saying they love me. You know, like this is mm-hmm. a way that they're showcasing that. And you're like, oh, right. They're okay. preparing something that's going to help sustain you. Yes. <laughs> Feed your soul. Mm. Yeah, so you get it both. So in the dream, you got the love and you got the food. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a pretty great dream, I gotta say. It is, yeah. <laughs> I've been blessed in the sense that I haven't had any really like negative grief dreams. Um, now people have passed anyway. That's good. No, hey, that's that's what I love to hear because it's just easier and you can sort of really remember that bond you guys have together and that love, even though you understand it's going to fade because it is a dream, you're going to wake up. What I love to sort of think or say or even think about is that if it happens in a dream, why can't we maintain that in waking life? So it can get us, I sort of use that as a goal is if you can get that love in your dream, then why not when you're awake and just about reconnecting and, and staying with that feeling, like to not be afraid yeah, to go because it's still there and you just have to find it mm-hmm. in all our crazy thoughts. It's there. <laughs> you just have to find it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I was actually... Reading uh, on your website that you believe that grief dreams are like a good, like not coping mechanism, but like way to heal from those losses. And honestly, I really agree because you do sometimes get to experience and express the things that you weren't able to say, you know, at the time. And it doesn't mean that they're not true just because they're happening in a dream. So it can help us heal. That's right. Religious or not, it doesn't matter. It's like in those moments, it's real. And, and there's a significant mm-hmm. part of that within the grief journey. And that's why I did the research. And it's not even something I believe. It's just like the research actually shows that it is beneficial for many people right. in the grief yeah. process. And like, how cool is that, that the body has this ability to give us those experiences to remind us in times that, know. you know, it's so easy to forget. So cool. Fascinating. Yeah, I can see a lot of people having more grief dreams this this holiday season more than ever before because of their loneliness. Mm, that makes me sad, though. <laughs> but it's, it would be positive dreams that they're going to be having. <laughs> true. They're, they're healing. Yeah. They're healing. They're healing dreams. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> okay. So as we wrap up the podcast, we always like to ask one question. That's if you can have a dream tonight of someone who has died uh who would it be and what would that dream look like oh man guys pulling out my heartstrings um I where's think the guitar where's be... the guitar when you need it <laughs> <laughs> in my chest at the moment i think it would be with my friend nick who was my my drummer who passed away last year and i gotta say would we would be jamming it would be a rehearsal we'd be just like banging out some songs and you know shredding like we used to i really miss that wow 
Is there a specific song you're going to be jamming to or to be a new song? Probably some Tool would definitely find its way in there. We both really like love progressive rock and metal and we really bonded over Tool. So we'd probably play some Tool songs. And then Black Dove, of course. I think that's actually the last song I ever played with him. Wow. I, I didn't know that. And it's just like how meaningful that song would now be for you on in that area of your life. Yeah, it really is. It's it's hard. It's bittersweet because it's so hard to do that and push forward. You know, it's hard to, to rise above. But you got to. It's the only way to move forward. That's why you have wings, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, this has been a, a special episode for many reasons. And I was, I, I love that you're, you're such a big advocate and you're willing to share and open and be vulnerable to not only us, but the people that are, are listening, because we're all having difficult times. And it's like people like you who can write about it, can touch hearts and can even speak about it to help us realize that it's okay. And that there is help out there. We just have to be able to have the courage to, to be vulnerable in in our suffering so thank you so much for coming on and just being you and being authentic oh my gosh thank you for having me that's exactly why i do what i do and that makes my heart so happy so thank you right back it's been a pleasure all right is there any place where can people find your stuff find you find your new music video find a black uh, dove on sale <laughs> yeah black dove spotify youtube apple music you name it you look up black dove official mv for music video it'll pop up this fox with two v's the pronunciation or sorry the spelling is a hard one for some people sometimes but if you if you type in black dove it should pop up excellent thank you so much and again just to uh, re- reiterate what josh was saying it was a real pleasure to have you on and uh you know thank you for doing what you what you're doing and and i'm, I'm again i'm happy you're doing well yourself and you're able to like you know, feel good and, and heal through music and even if it's in your bathroom that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah thank uh, you so much i appreciate that for sure uh so yeah everybody can check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic if you wanted to contribute to the podcast you can do so there are links uh, on our website where you can do that i just want to give a special thank you to sharon bowden for contributing to the podcast uh that means a lot thank you you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. You can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. And we are on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And as always, we love to end the podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.